You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Good morning, church. So glad you all chose to come this morning, fully rested, I assume. Got an extra hour. Unless you're a parent in the house, I, I feel like I've been a parent for the last 10 years. I feel like I've been tricking myself for 10 years that this is going to be the year I get an extra hour of sleep. But no, the kids, they get up regardless of daylight savings time. And so uh, I'm glad you're here, though, this morning. You're in for a treat. I'm really uh, honored and excited to introduce to you our guests for this morning, for this weekend. The ladies gathered Friday night. The men gathered Saturday morning. And uh, this morning, you get to hear from the guests that spoke to you. Uh, spoke to the men Saturday morning, Dr. Jack Clue. You know, as we prayerfully uh, pray about a calendar year, we really want to be led by the Lord. And as we, as, we, as we invite different guests to come and speak into our church, we really ask the Lord, who are the voices, who are the, the influences that you want to, to help speak into our church family in this season? And I'm so thankful for friends, and uh, I'm thankful for people that I've been able to see over a long period of time walk with character and an authentic sense of God's leading over their life. And this morning is, again, just another one of those opportunities for you to hear from a dear friend of me and my, my family, my wife, uh, Dr. Jack Clue. Dr. Jack uh, comes with over 40 years of experience um, in chaplain ministry, uh, speaking to the lives of uh, in, in armed forces, the Army, the Air Force, and then in the VA uh, system. And so he's seen it all, folks. Uh, there's nothing that shocks or awes him. Uh, he comes with such a bold passion for people. And so I, I sense that, or I, I believe that you'll sense that this morning. So in life point fashion, will you help me in welcoming Dr. Jack Clue? Thank you. I'm uh, privileged to speak here. And, you know, um, it's... It's like if my kids were on the front row, they know if I'm telling the truth or not. And uh, Drew, Tanya, Tony, uh, I knew them when they were kids. I said something the other day. Uh, today, this weekend, we're getting to know each other in a different way as adults with our experiences and things we've learned. And uh, I... I so appreciate the way you two, Tony and Drew, are doing business, you know, because I know, not that I travel a lot, but after I traveled this summer, there's a lot of people looking for a place to rest, looking for a way to get out of the scene. And I understand that. I'll tell you what, you get out there in traffic jam, it gets tiring after a while. But you guys are growing. You guys are finding the way to move forward. And so I, I have a lot of regard for that and a lot of respect for that. I, I really, really do. And uh, you guys have something to teach me. And uh, one of the things I'm thinking of is the importance in these days, of these days, I, I mean these days, listen to me, of being an effective witness in these days. I tell people frequently, you want to be right? 
or do you want to be married? <laughs> Sometimes you can't have both. And these days, doesn't surprise God at all about what's going on in the world. I, I can't imagine God, I'm just figuring it out in my own head, and he's called Gabriel and Jesus or archangels, and they're all in God's in heaven, and he's just wringing his hands, sweating. He says, what's going on down there? I don't know what's going on. Not at all. God is in complete control. And as I said this morning, I, I want to say it again here. Breathe. Take some breath and breathe, and let's find confidence not in how brilliant we need to be in the critical moment, which I want us to perform well in the critical moment, but that we would be effective influencers in the, in the critical moment, which is a big deal, I understand, on social media and you know, in, in the Christian world today. Are we being effective witnesses? You might, being, you might be a witness, and just because you scream and shout and have your opinions and you want your way known... Uh, but are you being effective? Um, I had some encounters this summer, and I've had people screaming in my face. And that's kind of hard to scare me, but the older I get, I, I cry easier and I tremble more. I can't fake it like I used to. <laughs> you know? Um, and screaming in my face about a particular issue, and do I see it this way or do I see it that way? And I'm sitting there thinking, like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do right now. So I did nothing. Just sat there or stand there and not respond in kind. You follow me. If you follow me, say, Jack, I follow you. Yeah, I don't have to fight fire with fire. You got your three ideas, I'll give you my three ideas. And what ends up happening, the polarization increases, and I don't find myself in, those kinds of, in, that, in that method of wanting to stand closer to somebody. I have found when I have peace in my heart that you can disagree with me, and I still want to go to the game with you tomorrow morning. Are you that kind of person, or do you need to be right? Because there's a lot of people out there the most important thing today is that they're right. And you can't have a conversation when both sides are being stubborn and nobody's willing to... And that's why I think the Word of God, that's why I think being a Christian has so much to offer in times like this. And I have to tell myself, I, I need to change. Sometimes I don't know how to change. I, I, I can say, well, I'm from Pittsburgh, and this is just the way people are from Pittsburgh, and you just take it or leave it. That's, you know, I don't want that. I really want to be a person of influence, and I want to influence people for the gospel. And so that's what I want to talk about. If you would, open your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Drew, can I ask you to bring me my water? I, I forgot to do that. Thank you. While you're here, could you get some bacon and eggs up here? <laughs> Thank you. Mark, I want to read chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. 
That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Let's pray. Jesus, 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 we come to you in this hour where there is much turmoil in the world around us, maybe turmoil in our own spirits. Father, and let we might be better influences of God, we ask you to calm the storm that's in our own heart, maybe about very different things. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. As I said this morning, I have so much I want to say, I don't know how to say it. I have a lot of people over the years depend on me to know what to say at the right moment. Isn't that a lot of pressure? If you're a mom, you're a dad, you know. The kids ask you and you, need to, you want to have the right thing. I'm going to opt for the effective thing. What's going to help me move forward? One of the things, I wasn't raised in church. As a child, I never heard anybody ever read the Bible, ever. Okay, I might have gone to Sunday school a couple times. And because I, did, I didn't know what they were reading, whether it's this or the Wall Street Journal, you know, it, it didn't matter. Uh, I, I didn't understand it. Never heard anybody pray for me. I've heard, I heard people pray. But when they talk about lifting your name up to the Lord, I, I don't have any awareness that anybody ever did that for me. I know what that's like. And so when someone presented me the gospel in Turkey and they said, God loves you. He cares about you. In one sense, we were talking about breaking chains. Jack, you've got chains in your life. He can break your chains in your life. And it went from being this etherical idea to a personal, to a personal relationship. And I longed for that. And my prayer, I, I wish I could tell you about my testimony. But, but the, when I prayed, I didn't get saved in a church. Um, I, I went to chapel mostly to see Tina. And uh, I went to chapel one night. And what they were saying was all about me. You know, they were reading my mail. True story. I wrote on a piece of paper, who told you about me? And I was going to punch the preacher in the face. <laughs> I was. Having no idea that there's a thing called altar calls and the opportunity to come forward, I'm thinking, like, if I get the chance, if you bow your head and please, anybody would like to come forward, you bet I want to come forward. <laughs> and uh, I was dressed in, back in those days, cut off jeans was the thing. I know it's not. And they were up to here. And I was a bodybuilder in those days, so I kind of liked showing off. And I had a, a real skin-tight T-shirt on. And, you know, uh, uh, and I go down there, and I thought, I'm going to give him the note. True story. I'm going to give him the note 
And when he's reading it, I'm going to send him to meet the Lord that he's talking about. <laughs> I, was, I was angry, but mostly I was amazed. I was in awe. How can this be happening? And he took that. I remember April 11th, 1976. He looks at that and he says, young man, I don't know you and I'm not talking about you. And the rest of it was wah, wah, wah. I mean, I'm, 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 what's going on? And I go into my room, uh, you know, we get home from chapel and I'm in my room and I hear my roommate, Bill, praying. He was a fired up believer. He was probably 40 something. And I knock on his door. He said, Bill, I got to explain what's going on. I told him about that episode in church. And then I don't have time to tell you what, what God did in, 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 the, in my uh, little tiny room. And uh, he says, Jack, he says, he talked to me about conviction. He was explaining to me the plan of salvation. But I was uniquely, for some reason, aware of the sin in my life and all the turmoil in my life and, and all the drama in my life. And here was an option to give it away and, or, or to get rid of it if I repent of this thing called sin. And I was all in. I said, man, I want that. And my prayer went something like this. Dear God, I cannot explain what is happening today but it's real. And in one sense, I didn't say that then, but looking back, very effective. And if what you say is true, I'm in. That was my prayer. And the next morning, the sun seemed brighter. You've heard these things. I felt like I was walking around. It was different. And I, I, used, I never used to be able to talk without swearing and cursing. And I made, a, I made a commitment to myself, I would rather not talk than swear. And I realized if I was going to do that, I, I couldn't talk at all in the day <laughs> or at night. And so one way I overcame that is I would read the dictionary and I would read whatever word was interesting to me and I would try to include that in my vocabulary. And over time, and when I say over time, I mean over time, uh, I developed a vocabulary and I learned how to express myself better. And the be and, but I, I mostly remember that my desires and interests had changed. My mom and dad back in the States didn't really understand me. My brothers and sisters didn't. But part of this story, and we'll just go to the end, my dad got saved. My mom got saved. Two of my brothers got saved. My sister got saved. And they say, because of me. I don't, ex I don't look at it like that, but you know what I mean. And um, I, that's why I refer to myself as a first-generation Christian. I'm not in the family business. I'm not doing this because my dad did, my grandpa did, and my grandpa's grandpa did. I'm not, I'm not selling insurance. I'm talking about a living God who changed my life and the way I saw life was very differently than from that point forward. So I want to just specialize in what's going on when you have a storm in your life. I, I hope I can do a better job uh, this time in terms of talking that to you. But sometimes we have a bad day. And you know you've had a bad day when your twin sister forgets your birthday. 
You know you've had a bad day when you call your answering service and they tell you to shut up. It's none of your business. <laughs> you, know, you know you've had a bad day when people compliment you on your driver's license photo. <laughs> I want to talk about having a bad day, or what I refer to as the unwanted, the unexpected, and the undeserved. How will you handle that? I tell you, and I, and I, uh, Tony and Drew and Tanya know a little bit about it. 2010 was the darkest and lowest year of my life. And the thing that happened in 2010 lasted until 2012, 2013. And it was a very complex thing. And maybe there's somebody here right now. You're dealing with something that's very you know, uh, interwoven and very convoluted and very complicated and tight. You know, that's the kind of situation I was in. And there came a point in my life where I didn't believe that there was a way out. That there was no hope and this was just getting worse and just in a matter of time, I'm going to sink and drown. I, under, I identify with these disciples and said, Lord, don't you care? I remember one time calling Bob Ona back in Fargo from San Antonio. And I remember I was, you know, and I'm, pretty experienced, but I'm in over my head now. I'm, I'm dealing with something that, you know, they never told me was possible kind of thing. And the only thing I remember Bob telling me, he says, Jack, God's presence is with you. And in my head, I understood that. But in my heart, I couldn't feel it. And I, that scared me. And then it's an amazing thing uh, what I learned over that. Just because I can't feel something doesn't mean it's not true. Just, you know, I'm married. My wife isn't here and I don't feel her holding my hand. But we're still married. And I want to encourage you, if you are under let's just say, attack, or if you enter over your head, or the storm in your life is railing so loudly that you can't hear anything, I want you to know you are not alone. He is with you, and he can calm the storm in your life if you ask him. And one of the things that impresses me about these disciples is they didn't start criticizing Jesus, they went to him. And the part of the scripture that amazes me, they say, who is this? where even the wind obeys him. What about you? Has, and, and if you've done it, and I've kept a journal for, uh, I'm going on my 35th year now, uh, where I just write stories with copious detail that happened in my life that God did, so that I'll go back and read that. And, and build my faith with that. That's what's one of the things that Muhammad Ali, that made him strong and a very uh, domineering force in boxing, he, he just reviewed his history. I knocked you out, I knocked you out, I knocked you out, I knocked you out, and in the third round tomorrow morning at five o'clock, I'm gonna knock you out. And what did he do? In the third round, he knocked him out. He, he built his confidence. Ladies and gentlemen, if you will keep a journal and you write down your history, not just the problem, but I would say write out the process and then write out what did you learn and then you go back to that. And that's evidence that though you've been through the fire, you are not consumed. What is a master? A master is someone 
regarded as having control or over the, having the power to do something. Ladies and gentlemen, when you experience some kind of storm in your life, to who or to what do you turn to initially? And I know, I remember, um, I, I saw a joke one time and the Sunday school teacher, male Sunday school teacher had a room full of boys, little, little elementary school boys. And they said, um, the, the teacher says, what's small, about this big, it's furry and has a tail? The boys, nobody's going to answer that question. Teacher says, come on, what's small? Furry, has a tail and collects nuts for the winter. Teacher said, I'm going to ask you one more time and we're not moving on until somebody answers. What is warm or small, furry, has a tail, collects nuts in the winter, and lives in trees? Little boy in the back of the room raises his hand, kind of afraid. He said, sir, we're in Sunday school. I think you're talking about a squirrel, but the answer has got to be Jesus. You know, I don't want to just give you expected answers. I know that Jesus changed Jack Clue's want to, and my life is on a different trajectory, and yet I've encountered storms. I, I think of all the things that I identify with the Apostle Paul is where he talks about being betrayed by uh, close brethren. We would call that getting a knife in the back. Of all the things I've experienced, I can say for me, that's the thing that hurts the most. And in those moments, Jesus is with you. And one of the things I've learned, I, want, I don't just want Jesus to be with me, I want him to beat him up. I want him to beat up the bad guy. You know, and one of the things I've learned, and, and this is especially when you're hurting, you don't see things as clearly sometimes. Sometimes when you're hurting, that's the time you see clearest the most, you know. And uh, when I'm praying, I, I have to understand that the person that's hurting me, God loves them just as much as he loves me. And can you pray for, for your enemy? That's a tough one, especially when you're under attack. That's a storm. That's a storm in your life. One of the things I see is if Jesus said, let's go to the other side, and then you encounter a storm, you're going to get to the other side. Did you hear me? If Jesus says, let's go to the other side, and in the process you experience a storm, remember the word. He said we're going to get to the other side, so I might be wet. I might be cold. I might have lost my oar in the water, but we will get to the other side. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he is in the world. If Jesus said, I'm going to get to the other side, I'm going to make it to the other side. We tell ourselves that in plain view of the water filling your boat. Okay. Sometimes I think, and tonight I'm going to talk about it, what, or Jack Clue's version, what do I say are basically five or six signs of a mature Christian? If you want to learn about that, come on over and we'll talk about it. But when, when my boat is filled and when I'm, things are filling up in life, what do you turn to? What do you find yourself saying? Where do you spend your time? That will reveal a lot about you. And this is one of the things I've understood about suffering and spiritual growth. 
Sometimes I encounter difficult times and tight spots because God's working something in me and out of me. Do you hear me? And so maybe you're experiencing a storm, but it's, it's not intended to drown you. It's intended to, to bring you to maturity. It's intended to change your character. It's a cha- it's, uh, because one of the things we don't know and I'm, I'm soon to be 64. One of the things we don't know is what does God have planned for us in five years and 10 years? And until you go through the training, he can't use you like that. I, I, don't, know, I, I don't know where you'll be in 10 years or five years. You know? But is it possible part of the explanation that might shed some light on your situation today is the work that you're being put through right now is designed to help you so that you can be effective in the work that he's called you to 10 years from now. And I'm just going to say I think it's possible. And are you willing to endure that? One of the things I've learned is uh, like in Job where uh, Job's wife says just curse God and die and the Bible says he didn't do that, you know. I don't know how many years it goes from chapter one to the last chapter, but it was a lifetime, I'm sure. Are you going, or, and I learned this from my wife, are you willing to endure your difficult times with grace and a little bit of dignity? And what, by that, I don't mean phoniness. That everybody doesn't have to know about my problem. And, you know, uh, I used to be that person, uh, if, you t- if they said, Jack, how you doing? Oh, man, let me tell you. And I- I'd tell you the whole story. And if, if you didn't want to hear it, oh, well, I gotta- you got to go, Drew. That's okay. I'll go with you. And I keep telling the story. <laughs> Drew hands me off to Tony, and I just go there. You know, they got a little bit of that last night. I, I didn't run out of gas until it was pretty late. <laughs> you know. There are some people, you know, they, they just want everybody to be in on their business. And I've learned, I say, you know, there might be two or three people that I confide in that get to know the whole story. But I've learned that I want to suffer with a little bit of grace. Who do I think I am? Who do I think I am that I can go through Christian development, spiritual development, and never have a hard day? Do you hear me? Now, I'm not advocating that every day needs to be like we did in football, triple sessions. And, you know, it doesn't have to be like that. But who do I think I am that because I've experienced an enemy attack that I'm somehow being treated unjustly and unfairly by God? If you're going to be in the family of God, quote, in the army of God, you need to expect that maybe your boat's going to fill up with water every now and then. Did you ever think that's why they taught us how to swim? In case that happens. Now, I'm, being, I'm really trying to be silly to, to make a point. I know what it's like to be in a situation and you're so scared you don't even know if you should turn on the light. I understand that. And maybe some of you understand that kind of concern and fear. Uh, and yet, I, one of the things I look at is, you know, going back to that, I am not alone even though I can't feel God. I don't... My whole... Christian experience doesn't rely on the fact that I can feel anything. I go by the word of God. That's why we have a heart where we can feel, and that's why we have a mind so we can think. Now, it's really great 
when you're going through something and both are working real well, you know. One informs the other. My heart informs my head. My head informs my heart. But when that gets out of whack, that's where we do, I've learned to rely on the other thing I do is turn to someone that I trust. Someone, as we say, God with skin on, and that would be first Tina. You know, when I was going through that dark time for those uh, two or three years, uh, Tina was my rock. And she, would re- she had people praying for me all over the country. And, um, and I learned that only later after uh, several years and talking to people. And the thing I've learned and the thing that Tina has learned, we ask people to pray for us, but keep this between you and us. We didn't want our personal business becoming public business, you know. Tina... I, I trusted her. And then I believe that every Christian person, I said this to the men, I'll say it to you. Uh, I believe every Christian person should have three or four people that you can call in a moment to say, hey, you know, I lost my oar and we're at sea and we're in the storm and I'm taking on water. I'm soaking wet and the lights are out and I've called on Jesus. Will you pray with me? And they will. And yet they keep it to you. And uh, even though they know you, they'll still be your friend. You know, where you can tell them the whole story and they can see you, um, they can see you, you know, without any veneer. They can see you without, quote, any makeup on. And they say, hey, you know, and they love you and respect you and they have honor and dignity for you. Those are the kind of people that we need when we're going through the storm. And when you're going through the storm, that's not the time to be cultivating them. That's the, be time, that's the time where you're accessing them. You want to cultivate these close and important relationships before the storm comes, all right? And so many of you agree with that, and that's good. I'm, I'm happy for you. C.S. Lewis said this, I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy. The most probable explanation is that I am made for another world. Ladies and gentlemen, um, this world can be deceptive. We can be seduced into having lots of money. You know, when I think of these, I just read the other day, some football player had a $52 million contract. That, that's a lot of money, you know. I think we got our values all mixed up just because someone can throw a ball or do something like that, that, that we're, they're treated extra special and they get all this money when there's people starving in our own country, and, and I'm not going to beat up on America, I'm not that guy, but I will also admit there's suffering in, in the world, and it really seems out of balance to let someone have $52 million when someone over here would just like to have a drink of water that's not muddy. And so I don't want to go there, but uh, I'm prepared to at any time. <laughs> he says this again, and, and I, I think this is good. I am thankful for all that God has given me and all that I have. But I don't make the mistake, I don't mistake them for something uh, more than what they are, for they are only copies or echoes or a mirage of what is yet to come. That makes good sense to me. We were talking about cars the other day. I think, Tony, you and I were talking about cars the other day. And... um, I, I have my car I'd like to have, but you know what? If I had that car, it would rust out and I'm still going to have to get a transmission in if I keep it long enough. 
These are just reflections of God's goodness, but what is yet to come? Description of heaven. Let me give it to you. You know this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. This, this is what really ministers to me. He shall wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no longer death, no crying, no pain, no mourning, for the first things have passed away. What is the first thing? This thing called material didn't mean to scare you. This thing, that, this material, this, this earth has, the clock is ticking. And I don't know how much longer we have. I'm prepared to go right now. But if not, I'm prepared to keep laboring. This is God's uh, kingdom. I want to be busy about his service. But there is a kingdom coming. There is a kingdom coming. That, so this world is temporary. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through it. I remember talking to my dad, whining and complaining. And many years, my dad's been a Christian many years, and he never really put the Bible together, but he was extremely faithful. And I was whining and complaining to him, sitting in a Cadillac. Think about that. I'm whining, complaining, sitting in my Cadillac, and my dad, I don't know if you guys met my dad. Dad was 5'8", had a 22-inch neck, arms like this. I mean, he, he was uh, an Italian and a uh, Scot, so he was small. And so, Anyway, he, he puts his big hands on the car, and I got Tina, we got the kids in the back seat, and I'm going, wah, 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 wah. My dad comes, walk, and he always wore a T-shirt. And... Um, and he's got a T-shirt and, uh, and those green pants that mechanics wear. I don't know what the, you know, they're just very, you know, uniformish. Puts his big arms on the table. He says, why don't you just quit whining and take that to prayer that you're always talking about? Boom, in my face. And I have to tell you, he was right. You'll read in history, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, you will find that Christians who did the most in this present world were just those who thought most of the other world. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so effective in this world. Now that's really calling balls and strikes on us, isn't it? And I'll accept that. I, I'm certainly willing at any time to have my stuff examined. So I want to I wanna close this differently than I did in the other service. Let me read to you a story about the swan and the crane. And then I'm going to pray. I am going to make an invitation so you might consider right now. Am I ready for that? I hope you are. It won't be painful. Consider this old legend of a swan and a crane. A beautiful swan alighted on the banks of the water in which a crane was waiting and seeking snails. 
For a few minutes, the crane viewed the swan in a stupid wonder and then inquired, Where do you come from? I come from heaven, replied the swan. Where is heaven, said the crane. Heaven? Heaven? You have never heard about heaven? And, the, and this beautiful bird went on to describe the grandeur of the eternal city. She told of streets of gold and gates and walls made of precious stones of the river uh, of the uh, of the river of pure that is uh, purest crystal, upon whose banks is a tree whose leaves shall be for the healing of all the nations. In eloquent terms, the swan sought to to describe the hosts who live in the other world, but without rising the slightest interest on the crane or of the crane. Completely could care less about what they were hearing. Finally, the crane asked, are there any snails in heaven? Snails? The swan said, well, of course not. There are no snails in heaven. Then said the crane, as it continued in search for snails, you can have your heaven, but I want snails. The metaphor here is that snails is sin. And Jesus comes in the form of a man. And tells us of this great place called heaven. And he has been set to set you free. You sang about that. Chain set free. How many in the world say, I would rather have snails than heaven. Why? Because this is all they see. This is all they know. There are generations after generations that all they know is snails. And they don't know that there's something else. I was one of those people. And you can acquire a taste for garbage. You can acquire a taste for sin. And if that's all you know, that's all you know. So when Bill Spangler and that lay preacher that was preaching that night, that was like water to me. And I could make that contrast between snails and this thing called heaven, and I was in. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't expect non-believing people to behave like believers. And understand doing God's work is messy work. Are you willing to get your hands dirty? And I think some people say, no, I'm not. I am. And when I tell Drew, you can't shock me, and overemphasizing to make a point I've heard it all literally I haven't but I feel you can't offend me I will let you say what you want any way you want for as long as you want just let me uh, be a part of that there are and I call uh, uh, being uh, uh, a compassion-based approach or before I can talk to you I need to be able to demonstrate somehow that I care about you and that I'm interested in you. There was a time in my life when it was all about numbers and I wanted to be able to say I won 15 people to the Lord, I won five to the Lord. And now I say, Lord, and I have no idea how many of those were real. 
You know what I'm saying? But I, but I didn't care. I just wanted some kind of credit. And I really had a spiritual pride about me. Until one day I got this understanding of my little brother Randy, who's now a grandpa himself. And that if Randy died in his sins, he would spend eternity in hell. And was I willing to do something about that? Are you? Are you willing to do something about that? I'm not back home. And my prayer goes like this. Lord, I'm not back in Pittsburgh. But I'm now back in San Antonio. And I will be busy about your work here in San Antonio. Lord, please have somebody busy about your work in Pittsburgh. Because I've got a little brother there. I've got a mom and a dad there. Oh, Lord, please let somebody take this seriously in Pittsburgh. Because it's my brother. That's my mother. That's my father. And all they know is snails. And I know there's a heaven. And I know you can speak to me. Oh, God, I'm willing. Father, I pray someone in Pittsburgh is willing. And that's my motivation. Not out of guilt. I ate snails for 19 years, and that's all I knew. You couldn't guilt me. Because if all I know is snails, there's nothing to be guilty about. You cannot guilt me. You couldn't guilt me into the kingdom. But when someone had snails and they talked about and the whole sin and they talk about the love of God and God and Jesus' blood canceled out that, I thought, and to me, why wouldn't anybody accept that? I could go on and on, and I'm out of time. Tony, could you come? And if there's some people on your prayer team, Drew, could you ask them to come up and just however you line up here? I, 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 and if you would stand with me, we're going to come to a close. I want to say a couple things, and then I'm going to make an invitation. How many people whom God has granted the, the advantages of a Christian home have turned their backs upon it in search of snails. The metaphor, snails is sin. How many girls or boys have deliberately turned the, from the love of parents and home to learn too late that heaven has been forfeited for snails? I have seen a lot of people die. I have watched people take their last breath. I have seen babies take their first breath. I'd much be a, rather be a part of that, I can tell you. But I'm glad that I have a message that I, and I have done this and you probably have too. I have been with that person that on their last breath, they say, I don't want the snails, Jack. Will you pray with me? And I just envision praying with them and Jesus with the, uh, the, 
the other two on the cross. And he says, today, you'll be with me in paradise. This is real to me. We're not just talking about the way to make a living. This is real to me. I don't care who get well, I don't care who gets elected tomorrow or on Tuesday. That's not the most important thing to me. Because the next day, some things don't change, and there's more people in this world that will eat snails than will get to partake of that taste of honey in heaven. And I'm going to work the hardest that I can. I feel, and I've told Tony and Drew this, I feel I'm not at the end. I feel I'm only at the beginning. And everything in life has helped me just to get to this point. I want to pass that on to you. So if you would, close your eyes. I'm going to make a prayer. And just to give you a heads up, I am going to ask people who pray, or if you raise your hand to come forward, not to embarrass you, but because this is real to me. Are you in a storm right now? Are you tired and scared? Do you wonder how long this storm is going to last? Jesus can calm that storm and cause the sun to shine. Will you call upon him to quiet the wind? Will you call upon him to calm the sea? I do not know the president but I know the master of the wind. I do not know the queen of England, but I know the master of the wind. I don't know important people, but I know the master of the wind. Lord, we are facing mountains that we have never climbed. So I call out to you, Lord, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Bring peace to us in this place. There are men and women, boys and girls that stand before me that are played out and have nothing left to give. Lord, we call out to you. Your love is so much stronger than whatever troubles a soul. So we call out to you. Lord, I cannot control all that is in my way. So I call out to you. Will you call out to him, my friend? Call out to him when it's dark. Call out to him when you're cold. Call out to him when your pockets are full. Call out to him when your pockets are empty. Will you call out to him? Did you have a bad week last night? My friend, we are not home yet. Do you fret over things that you cannot control? We are not home yet. Does our culture make you feel unwelcome? We are not home yet. Do you wonder how much longer the road goes? We are not home yet. Do you enjoy do you enjoy the snails and laugh or and they laugh at you? We are not home yet. We look for a city whose builder and maker is God. 
in a land that is far away, our Lord Jesus is preparing a place for you. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I am coming again. And he is. Whether it's today, tomorrow, I don't know. But I call out to him. Be encouraged, saints. We are not home yet. I want to ask you, if you are someone that any of this describes you, you would like prayer. Say, hey, you know what? I am. I, we don't need to know the particulars. But if you would like prayer to know that somebody has joined with you and said, we're going to help you pray and we're going to look for victory. We're going to look for victory even though you're in this storm. I want you to come forward and find one of these folks to pray with. Please don't, don't slow down. Don't, don't deny yourself that opportunity. You can come forward right now. We're not home yet. He's coming for his bride, my friend. And one day he will split the eastern sky in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. He'll take us to a place where rust does not exist, where pain does not exist, where sin does not exist, where peace and joy are permanent. If you don't feel at home here in this life, it is because you're not home. We are just pilgrims passing through this place is not my home but it's my work assignment let me pray for you and pastor I'll turn it over father in the name of Jesus I pray for this congregation and all who uh, it represents Lord in the name of Jesus the work that they've done the seed that's been sown for decades before father we pray that that will that's fallen on that seed has fallen on good ground Lord, I pray that you would use every person in this room to purpose in their heart to see the world in this community the way you see it. And Father, that they will get a burden and that they will be concerned that there is a heaven to, or there is a hell to shun and a heaven to gain. And Father, that they begin to look at what's going on around them through spiritual eyes. Father, I pray this in Jesus' name for the benefit of those thousands of people that are yet to be saved. And one day they will stand in heaven and they will see you face to face. And when they turn around, may they greet somebody in this room and say, thank you for telling me that there's more in this world than just snails. Because of you, you will be credited part of the benefit for why that person stands in heaven. Amen. And amen. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.